Hello, everybody. Hello, Steve. By everybody, I, I mean Mitch, because you're the only one here with me. Cat's in the other room. Yeah. Hi, Cat. Hey, Lux. How are you? I'm great. Welcome back. Welcome back to Everyday, everyday Meeple. Meeple. Oh, that's pretty nice. Where everyday people talk, talk everything about... Meeple. Uh, yeah. I'm, I even wrote it down, and I stumbled it. Uh, yeah. It's that's good. A, that's all right. It's, it's going to stick in my brain eventually. Lots of time to practice. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we'll be here every week. We're he- in theory. Yeah, I have so much time to practice. So much time that I'm 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 note taking on my phone right now. Minutes as we're as we're recording, but I'm good now. I got it all. It's all here. I'm ready to talk board games. Eventually, we'll be so professional that we'll do all all of our note taking before the show. Yes. Uh, eventually, I technically I started before the show, but I just finished during the show. Right, I yeah, but I just I'm still I'm still looking. I have notebooks, and I'm just like ah, I know, mm. I, yeah, I'm not, yeah. Well, here I, we are. I aspire to be more prepared. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. And in light of being unprepared, what do you want to talk about? What you be- play this week? The beautiful thing about loving board games and uh, thinking about them an awful lot is that we don't really have to be that prepared to be able to ramble on. About our favorite hobby. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So, as good a place as any, do you, you want to maybe have a chat about what we've been playing this week? That's why I said that. Did you just say that? I just said that. Oh, my I God. I just said, what'd you play this week? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been playing some games. Um, I know we we talked about Clank Legacy uh, last week yeah, on yeah. the show, so I'm going to just throw this out real quick, but I... Clank has been in my brain, and I've been liking it, and, and Sam, my son, is old enough where I'm, I thought to myself, I can teach him how to play Clank base game, the the first one, the first mm-hmm. one we played, and we played a ton of, and so I broke it out. There's a little reading involved, so I had to, you know, open-handed, uh, an open hand of cards that I could help him discern what he should do with his turn every now and again, and it was fun, totally. He had a good time, but I realized that Clank Legacy may have have cast a bit of a shadow over oh, yeah, Clank base not, game. You don't feel it anymore. Mm. I mean, it's way lighter than I remember. It's a pretty light game. It's very light. And even Clank Legacy, there's nothing too crazy going on. But there is, there's so much flavor and a little side missions and the changing board. And uh, it's just so entertaining. It'll be really interesting to see after the Legacy's over how the game plays. Because you, you're left with a playable game. Yeah, right? there's just no more story to chase down. So it'll be really interesting to see. Uh, I know Tom Vassell from Dice Tower has said that it's his favorite version of Clank. Now that the Legacy's done, it's he'd still rather play on that board. I think that makes sense because yeah. it, it's going to be there's variations in it now, right? You'll be able to pick a it's going to sort it's of going to feel like overarching story for that game, and yeah, it'll there's feel a lot like more going there's on. Three or four expansions kind of built into it is yeah. what it'll feel like. And anyways, it was still fun, and I realized it can be played really quick. And if anything, that's probably where it will get played now. Is if if my family takes to it, we'll probably play it every now and again. But I'm not so sure that we would break it out in our our group after yeah. playing Legacy. We uh, Melissa and I talked about it after we saw that posts you did of uh, playing with Sam and like we just have Clank in space right and we decided that's that's just it's like slightly higher and slightly like it wouldn't be f- as fun for Macy to learn Clank in space there's slightly more going on it's mm-hmm. slightly more confusing and it seems like the the additions make it 
less accessible yeah. than the first Clank. Even the board in Clank in Space looks a little more abstract where it's a spaceship. Yeah. Whereas Sam just got a kick out of the how linear the Clank board is. There's not many op- branching paths that you can go on. And he, after we played once, he just wanted to set it up again and walk his guy around and follow the trail of getting getting all oh. the treasures and stuff. But the, even that's a little more... Clink in space has teleport pads. It right. has like a little escalator path through the middle. It has stuff that's locked off that you can't get to until you mm-hmm. do a bunch of stuff. So like just moving around is a lot more uh, complicated. But we, but you know, in the same vein, we want to play uh, El Dorado with her. Quest for El Dorado, where it's another another deck, deck building adventuring game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've played it with her before. <laughs> and the the first time I played it with her, I kind of kept the cards down to a minimum so there wasn't a lot to think about right but she kept wanting more stuff so we actually just kept adding in new stuff but that was like two years ago and like now she can read a little bit and there's not as much to read on those cards and yeah she plays games that we've been playing uh ticket to ride first journey this week right and uh, which we've been playing with her since she was like four but she always needed a little help she we always had to sort of read her cards for her and look at her stuff and now we don't help her at all right she doesn't want the help uh melissa kept trying to Oh, let me let me see your stuff. She's like, no, I got it. And uh, she didn't win, but she was right, right there, which I'm happy about because yeah. normally she she does beat me, uh, even if it's by accident where you know you flip over a card. No, oh, I've already got that one done. I win. Yeah. Uh, but she does it all herself, and she's super happy, and it's great. Ticket to ride, uh, and I swear that's where th- I haven't played New York yet. No, me neither. Uh, but I swear they got the idea of from New York just for doing this kids version of Ticket to Ride which I don't even want to call it a kids version it's just a super yeah. fast version of Ticket to Ride yeah I wonder. Uh, we played with Nat and Dan and uh, and it was so much fun there was four of us and it felt almost as congested as Europe but I mean it plays in 15 minutes yeah and uh, it was hilarious uh, I taught it to Rob the first day we got it and we read the rules set it up and played it in 15 minutes yeah, it's pretty, I mean, the, the base game Ticket to Ride is pretty simple, so even just just streamlining that down a few more steps is, yeah. It's pretty simple, but it's not kid-friendly. No, you, know, you, like, you got to get in each other's way, and you... Uh, and it's, I mean, it it's feels really light and really simple, but as a kid, there's there's a lot of thinking compared to, to kids' games. Yeah. So, uh, like... Melissa, I think it it counts as one of her tenser games. She uh, right. She immediately tenses up as soon as we start playing Ticket to Ride. And yeah, but oh, but not Ticket, Ticket to, Ride. to Ride First Journey. That doesn't happen. Doesn't unless you're playing uh, for adults and it's uh, it gets yeah. It can get angsty like that like that little central node in Ticket to Ride Europe, right? Where everybody's going to the same spot. Mm-hmm. Like it gets a little like that, but but it's so light and so fast that it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's a fun one. Ticket to Ride, man, oh man, does that game ever get played in my my family? Not in my my nuclear family of kids and and partner, but my mom, dad, brother, sister. Play a ton of Ticket to Ride. I love it. It's still it's still great. I wouldn't choose to play because I know I'll get my fill of it over holiday seasons, but it still holds up really well. We 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 still pull it out, but like once a year, and it's it's always fun. But because it because it causes the blood to boil. Mm. Uh, which is, I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating that, obviously. But uh, Europe does get tense. Oh, yeah, Europe and, is intense, for sure. And we it's a game where we stop talking. Like, it's a two-player game, we don't talk the whole way through. Yeah. There's no talking. Uh, and sometimes it works really well with regular Ticket to Ride. 
some of our earliest games, we were on opposite sides of the map. So like, right. I don't know if anybody has not played Ticket to Ride, but it's just a game where you're you have different routes that are different colors and different lengths, and you just collect cards. On your turn, you either collect cards or place trains. And to place trains, you put down a group of colors. And uh, t- to pick up cards, you just pick up cards. And you're trying to uh, connect routes. From You have a ticket card that says from one city to the other, and then you just have to make a continuous string of trains to the other side. And that's it. And you, mm-hmm. you cash in your stuff and... Uh, I don't remember how regular Ticket to Ride ends because I've been playing so much Ticket to Ride Junior. Ticket to Ride Junior ends, ends as soon as you have six tickets. Uh, regular Ticket to Ride ends when someone gets down to their last one or oh, two trains. Oh, last couple trains, and I right. think you, ha- you have 45 or something to start, I yeah. think. So, you know, it takes an hour. And then it takes 20 minutes to count the score. Yeah. they. I think in the rules it tells you to count the score as you go, but yeah. that's just not as fun. It never... I feel like almost every time I've played it, if we've tried to keep the score you can't, while playing, yeah. once we recount at the end, it's it's been off. Because yeah. people are so in their head with their long-term plan and the tense, the tension of getting in each other's way that you just miss something at some point. We always just recount it at the end anyways. The first day that we learned it, we tried to do it that way. And then mm-hmm. we got lost because we're so focused on the trains that you just forget to count a score. You don't even do it. So, I mean... And it it's so much more exciting to do it at the end. Yeah. Tis true. Yeah. Yeah, we... Um, me and Susie used to play a ton of that game when we were first, like, a post-Catan, like, what other board games are out there. I think Ticket to Ride was maybe the second or third game after um, I discovered board games, and w- we played a ton of it. But but a, a game that we've recently played... Well, a lot, I won't say a ton of, but a lot of over the past year, um, and we played it just the other night, is Orléans. Um, oh, yeah. um, looking at it right now. Uh, Reiner Stockhausen, which I don't know what... Oh, uh, Alan our Moon was Ticket to Ride, we should say that. He's a he's a seminal figure in the board game hobby. Uh, this He started, we were talking about it last week, the uh, Gathering of Friends convention, right. which is an invitation-only uh, huge convention of game designers and and associates yeah and they're actually uh somewhat responsible for bringing Catan to the world they uh they would always import german games and sell them and pass them around at that convention and right. I, I believe it was them that first brought uh Catan over to north america huh. for 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 that convention and sold all of it so i could be wrong but that's how i i believe uh that happened yeah but an important dude. In all my listening to different podcasts and looking at different uh, game websites, um, any designers mention this Gathering of Friends. It comes up quite frequently as an important place for designers and um, people in the industry to get together and play each other's games. But yeah, me and Susie, I'm always kind of on the lookout for a game that's going to click with her because, you know, at the end of the day, you spend a lot of time with your significant other. Um, and not every game clicks but orleans seems to have so orleans is a uh, a bag builder kind of like a comparable to a deck builder in that over the course of a time uh, in a deck builder you're building a hand of cards but in the bag builder you're adding tokens to a bag um and in orleans these are like little workers and people like fishermen and farmers and traders and every turn you take out a certain number depending on where you're at on a particular track uh, and you lay them in your your market space on your player board, and then you're going to be filling uh, spots on your player board 
that allow you to take certain actions. Yeah, it's sort of building actions. Yeah. Or like you want to build this action, it will take so many different colored cubes. Those cubes are different workers, and like each turn you draw some, slowly, exactly. eventually get to do that action. Yeah, so like Faster playing. and faster, the more you get. Yeah, so for example, putting down a farmer and a fisherman, I think will get you another farmer. And it moves you up a track on the farm track, which gives you a resource, and then you put another farmer into your bag. And just, again, like a deck builder, at some point in the game, uh, your bag is filled with stuff, some of which you don't want to see again. Mm. So, you know, on your turn, you, you're allowed to draw, say I'm at the, the certain track where it allows me to draw six tokens. I'll take out six, and there'll be five of the, of what I didn't want for that particular turn. So there's a, becomes some strategy in thinning out your bag. You can you can ditch uh, guys on a, on a certain area on the board where you're basically retiring them uh, for points. Anyways, it takes about an hour and a half to play and has that, so it has that, you, that's its central feature is this, your personal player board of playing down these workers to do actions. But three of these spots on your player board allow you to build buildings and move this little meeple that you have on the board around France. And uh, so it's almost like there's there's two little games happening. There's this player board where you're adding, you're building your bag, bag building, and this uh, map. You're filling your bag. You're filling your bag. Yeah. You're, not, you're not hammering and nailing anything to build a bag. Anyways, and then there's this other map where you're moving your, this guy around your little meeple, building uh, trading posts, and either crossing water or crossing... I think wagoning is what it's called, but there's these. It's it's anyways. You're it's really, really fun. you're really selling it. I, like, if I'm every, if, if every, it doesn't sound interesting, it is very interesting. Every time uh, games get explained, it just turns into cones of Dunshire. I know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's it's always comedy. Well, there's no real way no, no, to succinctly all, yeah. explain a game For and sure. make it sound especially interesting. especially like uh, games like Orleans where it's point salad games. Where <laughs> you do a thing and then move a thing and that gives you a thing and like you yeah. know it just happens. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not enticing, you know, young people. If I'm trying to interest you in the board game industry, it's about farming in medieval France. Believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. You get to build things in in in, in France and you get to move around in in France. It's, everything's very beige. It's why. Uh, it's it's why Gateway and. And deeper games, kind of, th- it's the difference, right? Mm. Ticket to Ride, gateway game. You pick up cards of colors, <laughs> you match the cards of colors, you trade in those sets of colors to put down your trains. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that gives you points. Yep. The most points wins. And then you, you step up a level, like, you know, one one point rating of difficulty uh, yeah. on the, the BGG website, and all of a sudden you, you put a thing in your bag, Drop a thing down, get another thing. There's bags and maps but, and trading stations and coins and buildings. But I, I would all, you know, if it's done right, it's that's fun. It's super fun. Yeah. It's a great game. Yeah, it is. So I'm really excited, though. That maybe this will make it sound more interesting. It, it sounds, it, it, it to won't. me, it sounds super interesting. I know interesting. to you it sounds interesting. But I, I have the invasion expansion. Oh, right. Uh, because at the end of the day, and some games are, are guilty of this, uh, Orleon does feel kind of fixed. Yeah, because of the the way the the turns go, right? There's the w- yeah, and you start with the same four workers, so it's you end up kind of employing the same strategy. It gets somewhat solvable. It, it you, does you, feel you get, that way. You get uh, 
people who can work out a strategy for the whole game yeah. instead of having to adapt. And, like, I won the other night, so there's nothing enticing me to try a different strategy next time. So I might try and to build you, the same thing. And you made kind the of mistake thing. of going and looking at some of those strategies. Did I? Yeah. Oh, I did. You but did. you know what? I, I uh, yeah. I did, but I, I've already forgotten that because... Oh, that's good. Yeah, it didn't really stick. I'll play I with think, you again. I then. think I tried it once, and it didn't really gel. Is that Yeah, yeah there's a way to mechanize kind of actions. Anyways, it got kind of boring. I didn't I hate when that happened, so I, I thanks for pointing it out because I shouldn't do those things. The Invasions uh, expansion, that's not the Stories one, though. It's not the Stories one, no. And that one, that one, that one just called Stories? And yeah, it just that just came out not very long ago, right? And that's, that adds kind of a campaign i think so mode. like eight games or something like that invasion um uh marcus and inca brand were brought on mm. to design yeah, some yeah. cooperative expansions so that's the exit uh that's the exit cup oh, are they a couple or are they brother and sister i'm not know. sure uh, anyways inca marcus partners, brand they're anyway on exit definitely partners have created i think most of the exit game series yeah i think it was it was theirs to begin with and and then the a bunch of other really notable what's games what's the new version that they've they've have right they've adventure, expanded that adventure exit is is just a bunch of escape room games that are the one year everybody started putting out escape rooms and exit uh is one of the better better ones that yeah. came out it's like an escape room in a little tiny board little game tiny box, box you play in an hour i think um, they won a bunch of awards for them they're really cool designers i've um just based on what i read i've barely played anything of theirs uh, besides one of these orleone models but they they're the designers behind Village, the, the worker oh, placement. That's, that's one of the top of my. Uh, I don't know. If, I, well, I don't know if I'd call it a grail list, but that's one of the ones that I really, really want in the collection. That's on my list to play, almost exclusively for the mechanic of, of the, the deaths. Yeah, of you, yeah. You where you're telling your you're telling the story of your village. Yeah, and like eventually your workers that you used to power your game die and they go into a graveyard and they become part of the history and like yeah. there's a whole bunch so at of some point by the end of the game you know you're looking at your great-grandparents in that you've placed in the grave start. not a lot of games deal specifically like death the way it does no so. i love it i have yeah i'm particularly interested in that they also i think last year they did that rajas of the ganges oh, yeah. game which looks looking really game. neat yeah. as well has some really cool mechanics but anyways this orleone invasion and i think i've sold susie on it we'll try it hopefully soon it makes it cooperative, and I think what it does is you randomly take a another player board, but it gives you a set object like a set of objectives that you have to do under a time limit together to win the game. So, like like I was saying a minute ago, Orleone, you don't ever feel really enticed to try a new strategy. I think this expansion is like here you go, you have to try a new strategy if you want to win. You need to go do A, B, and C, uh, which forces you out of how you normally play the game. So that should be interesting. And then we're not competing against each other. We can chat and have some popcorn and have fun getting invaded. So that's what that's how I was going to make it interesting. Someone's invading you. And on the cover, the blue knight that, you know, d defines yeah, yeah. the Orleone box, I think he has a piece of cheese in his hand and he's going to throw it down a tower and maybe hit someone with the cheese. Violence. There's violence in the game. That's crazy. Is a it's an interesting thing with the stories. Uh, I was listening to, uh, I think it was from the Dice Tower West. Uh, Tom Vassell and Rado go through a list of what they think were the top ten most influential games of this last decade. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the Rados was 
the expansion for Oh My Goods. Oh, yeah. Which adds storytelling. That's like the new one, like uh, Expedition to New Dale or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but his whole thing on it was that he <laughs> he ended up saying uh, adamantly that he thinks every Euro game by like 2050 will have <laughs> stories built into them. Yeah. Uh, as 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 a standard fare. That's a pretty good prediction, probably. Maybe. Uh, I like Tom's counterpoint of, but but people don't. You don't have to. You know, like, mm-hmm. not everybody wants a story. Not everybody will will play those stories. Like, right. it's not. You know, you can still just play a game. Uh, not everybody's looking for connected games all the way through. Like so it's not style nec- stories. You mean? Yeah. It's, oh, so it's not okay. necessarily right going to happen. Right. No, I was especially thinking- for every game. That's uh, it's a bit much. I was thinking more along the lines that Euro games are going to go more out of their way to tell stories within their games. Uh, that's kind of how I was hearing that. But that's kind of happened. That's how. That's the whole point of putting a theme on a game or a setting. Or, yeah. Um, and I, I think uh, more will try and do this, not so much campaign style, but a continuing story where the game changes slightly as the as mm-hmm. the story grows. Because uh, that seems like a great way to experience a game. Mm-hmm. And and like you were saying, to to change what you're doing so you're not plotting the same way, and right, uh, which can be a killer for some games. If you if some games get too repetitive, they stay on the shelf. This is true. What else are you playing? Anything uh, else this week? Nothing new. Uh, we played Raiders last night, which is amazing. Still, we haven't played in a long time, and okay. is another like we just played. We were saying last week that we'd played uh, Lords of Waterdeep and love it as a two player game. And Raiders of the North Sea is the same way, where with two players, it goes so fast. And it's another worker placement, and uh, much easier to explain, I think. And it's going to sound just a little bit more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Raiders of the North Sea, it's a, it's a Viking, uh, I don't want to say theme. It's already more interesting. You said Vikings. It's Vikings. Yeah. Uh, you're playing, uh, you all live in the same Viking village, but you're you're all competing you're trying to trying to be the best viking you can be mm-hmm. uh i haven't read the story for a little while so i'm not sure uh what whether you're trying to please the gods or get into valhalla or right what viking theme they kind of are banking towards but you have a village area and you have the across the river uh area of foreign villages that that you go raid uh on your turn, you have one meeple, and you can do uh, sort of two things. If you're in the village, you can place a meeple anywhere to get an action, and then you get a second one where you take it another one back that's already been placed, and you get a mm-hmm. second action. Or you can go and raid up farther on the map, but to do that, you have to get your provisions together for your boat, right. get it, get enough cards of, of the actual uh, crew onto your boat, so right. the crew is represented by cards that are villagers mm-hmm. that you pick up and then you have to pay silver to hire them onto your boat and then you have to go raiding over the sea and you have to have everything that a particular spot needs before you can go there and then if you're strong enough you get more points and you get whatever meeple has been there and they slowly change colors uh and the the ones at the top of the map right 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 you need you need a particular color to go there so you start uh with one color and you're not going to stay with that. There's three different colors, and eventually you won't be able to use the lower color anymore. So we've played games right. where you can't, like the first spot is right where the, 
the sea is and it's the harbor areas. Right. And you can no longer go there. So even if there's stuff to do there, you if can't, all, you can't go those, back. If those, yeah. if that color of meeple is gone, then you, then you can't go back. Right. Uh, and it's super fun and it goes so quickly with two players and so smoothly. Uh, and again, whenever you play with a bunch of players, you feel like, uh, yeah, you feel this tension where you want to do a thing, but you know, you're not gonna be able to do it by the time it gets back to your turn. Yeah. Yeah. And with two players, you're pretty sure that you're gonna be able to do stuff. So you can, you can sort of plan a few turns ahead and, and hope for the best. And, uh, it's really fun. And we play with the, with the hall of heroes expansion, oh, yeah. which adds, uh, an easier way to get, uh, cards in your hand where you can actually pick from a, a small display, yeah. draft, draft them in your hand. And then, uh, Whenever you raid a village, you put a tile down that you can then use your cards to go and get. This is a great expansion, and it gives you a bunch of bunch of different ways to get points, so that it uh, stays a little fresher. There's yeah, a, you can keep up. Uh, sometimes, especially with more players, you feel like you can't get to enough villages to get the points. So this gives you another way. Well, once those villages are up, you can still get points from them. Yeah. I didn't do a great job of explaining it. I, it I is mean, a super easy game to learn, and it is a real pile of fun. If you like Vikings and worker placement stuff, the art is spectacular. The art is, is that's a Miko game, right? It is, yeah. Uh, Shem Phillips designed it. Uh, he's a fella out of Australia who's been doing... Or New Zealand, are they? Maybe New Zealand, maybe, yeah. I think so, yeah. That's better. Uh, not that <laughs> it's better. I mean that I've been corrected. Oh, man. Yeah, Sorry, go, everybody. Go, Phil. Uh, or Garpil. I'm not sure how you say it. Garfil or Garpil? G-A-R-P-H-I-L-L. Well, thanks for taking the pressure off of me. No problem. Let's let's talk a bit about how you pronounce this word. Um, no, I was actually looking at their Kickstarter today for their uh, third game in the um, West Kingdom trilogy. V- which another word? Viscounts. Viscounts, right. Yeah. Which I always want to say Viscounts. And I'm, again, I'm not sure which one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was New Zealand cost is there oh right which right. is why it was fresh in my head um yeah love that publisher love that those the team of and designers i think they're brothers they're doing redoing later this year they're releasing a new raiders with a right what's that one raiders um, of scythia raiders of scythia i think so with a new artist with his um so there's i think there's typically two designers on those games shem phillips and then uh like sam mcdonald or uh, maybe they're not brothers but they're f- related i'm pretty sure um, oh no, I'm wrong. Oh. Sam McDonald's another designer, but his brother is involved in some way. Um, but his brother, this other Phillips, had did the art for Circadian, this sci-fi oh, yeah, game yeah. from Garfield. Yep. And so it's that art style for this Raiders of Scythia game. But I was reading um, a thread the other day on BGG, and Shem Phillips was talking about this Raiders of Scythia, and basically he just felt so confident. He's so happy with that design of Raiders. It's, yeah, and he it's thought brilliant. it's been around long enough that he just wanted to uh, refresh it refresh it with like a, just a different theme. And apparently, like I don't know anything about Scythia or even if I'm saying Scythia right. Uh, and I mean, people are chiming in saying things like, oh, I'm so glad you're shining a light on this part of history. I haven't seen this in a game before. And I, th- I think it's pretty mechanically going to be pretty much the same thing with uh, a few additions. I noticed some of the crew that you can hire, they have like, um, hawks on them. There's some. It seems like there's some level of training or something that you can do with your crew. Or well, they they, they haven't revealed a whole lot yet. I'm just totally guessing a bit too. But with the expansions they did for North Sea, I'm sure they can sort of mix some of that. Yeah. Those concepts into the base game, and then 
he I'm, sh- I'm sure he has no end to new ideas <laughs> and i think as far as as this this thread was uh what they were saying on this thread and of course things can change all the time but he was saying he doesn't plan to expand it doesn't it's not gonna be part of a trilogy this is just fresh spin on the raider mechanics um and, uh, and he wanted yeah sounds at great at the same time you have uh castles of what coming out uh, this year too it's amazing oh yeah tuscany castles of tuscany right. by uh, stefan feld so two great games getting revisited this year there's no end to it it feels like it's constantly uh this uh, what's the word i'm looking for it's like a dam breaking with water flowing I was say pretzels is it pretzels uh, it wasn't no, no not pretzels uh. but it just seems like there's no end to the content and the good the good games that keep coming out i it's like the i like the idea because uh there's some there's something going on with uh, new games constantly that just revisiting yeah. great games that aren't even that old. Like Raiders is not not that In old. Ten years, I think, is why he he it dawned on him to look at it again. Ten years, I think so. That's that seems impossible. Okay, that maybe seems impossible. it is impossible. Uh, one that I'm excited that's just an expansion that's coming out, and it's almost silly to be excited about. But uh, Josh Wood is doing an expansion for Cat Lady. Oh yeah. Which, uh, which That's is a fun time. Is pretty good. Uh, we love Cat Lady here. It's a, it's a great kids game. If you want a uh, great introduction to card drafting, because yeah. it's a card drafting game, uh, Cat Lady, you're you're just picking up cats, feeding cats, taking care of cats, getting them toys, costumes, catnip, catnip. Yep, got a spray bottle if they're naughty. Uh, yeah, I've only played it the one time with you guys, but I enjoyed that one play. It was uh it was more than I expected going into a small box game about Cat Lady. Mm. Uh that there was a lot to think about. If I it has a unique um you you know it better than me where you place your cubes to kind of determine what you're going to take. Ah, no, it's been so a while. It's been too long. <laughs> yeah, it's a 3 by 3 grid of of cards right. and you can draft either one row or one column. Right. But whoever went before you places a little cat meeple, and you can't take that row right. or column. So you have to take one of the other ones. Unless you have a spray bottle, then you can spray the cat and right. get them out of your way, take that one. And right. then, then you're getting, uh, from those cards, you either get food or more cats. Uh, lost cat posters that can get traded in for finding strays. <laughs> right. It's very sweet. The they also they just kickstarted a deluxified version I think they kickstarted it. It's in. It's already in retail. It's a nice shaped tin, which, which I don't want. I don't want a shaped tin because I can't put it anywhere. Yes, those are tricky. <laughs> but it comes with uh, instead of just cubes for the resources, it's actually shaped uh, resources. So it's like bottles of milk and fish and chicken legs. Nice. Because cats eat chicken legs. You Cat. look. You look lost. I lost. Oh, I was looking for my notes. Uh, they're here somewhere. The uh, reason I was looking for my notes, because I know we weren't planning to talk for an hour about what we played this week, but we're, uh, we're on our way to doing that. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I was and, just doing that as a segue. And I could still talk about what I played, but uh, we did. We were going to talk about a couple other things, I think. Were we not? Yeah, yeah. You uh, you, you turned me on to this, uh, and I've... Appeared, I, did, I, I don't think that's the correct... If you're about to say what I think, uh, you said... Uh, you turned me on? That's I did. what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I, I finished that sentence. Though. You like you just looked at it like maybe for the second time today. Yes. So I don't true. think I turned you onto it. Okay. I pointed <laughs> it out to you several times, and eventually you looked at it. Okay. Full 
full truth here. You sent me a link to a thing. I kind of regret it because I wanted to surprise you with a bunch of stuff that I was like, oh, here, look at all this. I looked at it in bed about two nights ago before I fell asleep, and then I looked at it today. Um, What is this? What is it? It's a great website if you happen to be really nerdy about board games. (laughs) If you have uh, a Board Game Geek uh, account, and you have been cataloging your games on the Board Game Geek account, and if you've been cataloging your plays on the Board Game Geek account, Mm -hmm. uh, this site called geekgroup.app will let you look up your username, and then it compiles all that data, and it gives you uh, flowcharts and all kinds of great ways to just dig in and uh, dial down all that data, and it's... I loved it, and I was so excited about it, and I I sent you the link like immediately because my brain was... Yeah, exploding yeah. and then i sent it again to you like three hours later because you never mentioned it in the uh, oh. in the next bunch of i didn't, I didn't conversation see it the first time. yeah and then i think i mentioned it again like the next day because <laughs> you still never brought it up i i kept saying you should check this out have you checked this out yet and you never once replied oh yeah that's neat <laughs> yeah no sometimes threads get weird like that where you respond to the last thing said and not the thing before uh yeah anyways and it I was th- in, I it was in my brain. I did check it out, and it was very interesting. But I, yeah, you haven't been keeping your stuff up, uh, no. So, which is which is totally fine. You have uh, things to do, and bit, uh, bit of a busy life. I have this compulsion. I I track too much of of this hobby, and so I I really like it. And like I've been I've been looking at yours and mine. And and just comparing stuff, and I can go through yours, and I go, oh, he didn't mark this one down. He didn't mark this one down. Mm-hmm. Like right now on on the app, it says that you have like nine in the top one hundred, mm. but really you have like twenty five or twenty six. Mm-hmm. And I only say twenty five or twenty six because you bought like two new games in the last yeah. week, and I don't yeah. remember if I counted those. I mean, can I just take a step back for a second? Yeah, definitely. Because we every now and again will throw out. I'm, I was reading a thread on Board Game Geek or Board Game Geek. If you logged on to Board Game Geek and oh, you have your yeah. collection in there, for anyone listening and who is just curious about board games, I know if anyone has found this, they they probably know about Board Game Geek. And it sounds like the epitome of niche nerddom to to this a, a database about board games for board games on the internet. It is the most useful site if you're interested in in board games it's, at any level. If you're interested yeah. in board games at all. Even it's before before I really well no this isn't true I was really into the hobby but as an example of how useful it is because um, I get this question all the time because I'm I'm the person in my family who knows the most about board games they'll a cousin or someone will say what board game should I get my kid or they won't ask me at all and they'll just go to Walmart and buy whatever's on Walmart shelf which can some that's not going to work for you it's in Canada getting better it's getting better it's not really going to fly you for can you. buy code names now which is that's know. true. But um, a few and like sushi go maybe four years ago now. So when Sam was three, and I was looking for like what games do three year olds play, which is tricky. I just went to Board Game Geek and and Google you know top children's games, or even I just used their browse and just um, you know with an advanced search just just picked children's games and then looked at how they how they ranked over time, and then and just started exploring that, cool as, games as part of that because it's such a massive global community people will then amend that stuff. So on any game page that you look up, uh, it'll have the age recommended. Right, right. And then it will have users recommended age. Right. And there'll be comments and notes about 
you know, who has played with their kids at a certain age. So a lot of times you'll have a game that's rated at 14, which has not necessarily anything to do with the complexity of the game. Right. But more with international uh, testing laws where if a game is below a certain age, it needs to be treated as a toy and needs to go through uh, more rigorous testing and stuff like that. So you have a a game that say it's rated at eight years old, but your kid has been playing games since they were four. Then there'll be users who will have made notes where we've played with our five-year-old. And then it'll show like sort of the average rating for what user's age uh, would be. And it's, it's, Everything on the page is super helpful. It's just very, very handy. And probably the other thing that I find it most handy for, other than like I visit it pretty much daily for whatever reason, checking out news or reading a review or something like that, probably the most handy thing is in the middle of any game session, if a rules issue comes up, rather than sometimes pilfering through a 20-page rule book, I just type in uh, that exact rule clarification. I'm trailing off here. But anyways, yeah, it, you can go to get any rules clarification on Board Game Geek just by typing it in, and, and it saves you a headache when you're trying to figure out how to play a game sometimes. So Board Game Geek, it's a thing. So Geek Group. Geek Group. I was going to, yeah, I was going to. Not uh, do that? No, I was, trying to rem- <laughs> I was trying to remember. Where were we? Where were we? Geek Group. Geekgroup.app. It's, uh, it's super fun if you have all of your data uh, tucked away in board game geek this this app uh, pulls all the data and then just just gives you all these ways to to dig around in it yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna fix my my board game geek page to get my collection accurate to see how it's reflected on this site because um, my collection's changed a bit in the past year or so so i'm curious to see what what insights it has for me and one of the, one of the first things that, that it does like on board game geek uh there are I don't even know how many users there are. I must say, you're on. Are you on the site? Ooh, Does yeah. it say how many users? At how all? many people are? Yeah, I mean oh it's gosh. massive. It's huge of board games, but uh, so they have every game you can think of, and it's really hard to find a game that's not on there. You can, but it's really hard. Uh, ranked people, people vote on them. People say what they think about them, but then they are they are ranked. Uh, from one to nineteen thousand some games, oh maybe God, it's, yeah. maybe it's even longer. And uh, like the number one game for the last however many years is Gloomhaven. Uh, Steve owns and loves Gloomhaven. For years before that, it was Seven Wonders. Uh, so there's a top one hundred that gets talked about a lot. Uh, if you're in the top one hundred on BGG as a board game, it's it's maybe not as relevant as winning an award, but it's. It's pretty solid. Oh, yeah. It means a lot for a game to, to be able to stay on that list. It's like the pop charts, you yeah. know? Uh, it's, yeah, that's what I'll call it. It's like the pop charts. And I thought it was really fun uh, the first day that I was playing around with group app, uh, geekgroup.app, yeah. was to look at, because I saw this little flag that said the lowest rated game that I have. was uh, It's actually ranked at 18,617. Right. And uh, I was going to make you guess what your lowest were based on what you used to have in, but then I then you went and looked at them. I did go look at them. So it was can a surprise, you guess, though. So your lowest uh, was Uno, right? rated at 18,530, which I feel is a little unfair for Uno. Like, it yeah. is beloved and played, and I, I don't think people are being honest when they're ranking that game. I think people are embarrassed about how much fun they have playing Uno. Yeah. I know a lot of people hate it. I, I think Tom Vassell has been... 
adamant about hating Uno. Uh, sure. I think it was him. I mean, it's okay to hate it. Like, sure. But when I think about the other but, tens of thousands of games that exist, but I'm not going to pick to play it. But my kids will. Yeah. You know, and and my kid loves it, and and we will play it, and it's it's not so bad. I've it's I've switched so to Llama. Yeah. Because Llama is more fun, and uh, you know, it's very. Llama is more. It's got fun. the same vibe. Yeah. But can you guess? What my uh, bottom game is huh. of the ones that I've entered. I, I've entered uh, 230 a- games. And it's not Uno. It's not Uno. But okay. you can. it's on the shelf here. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking around. You have uh, a lot of games. Oh, God. 18,617. Right. Uh, I would need a second to take all of these in. Um, and then I'm going to make a really horrible guess and feel bad about it, I think. I can I can make it re- way easier for you. I bet. It's on that side of the room. Okay. Oh, mercy. Uh, it's on one of those three shelves. I, I mean, I haven't played this since I was a kid, but I... No, it's not going to be that. It's not Stratego. Um, oh, good Lord. I felt like that would be easier for you because there's a lot of, like, the top hundreds in the, on those shelves. Yes, there is a lot of very good games on these shelves. And... Uh, <laughs> this is too hard. Don't don't pick a spiel it, winner. Is it Jetpack Unicorn? It is not Jetpack Unicorn. Uh, it's Parcheesy. Really? Parcheesy. Which wow. I think is... is I don't think it's surprising because I don't think a lot of people play Parcheesy, but to me, Parcheesy is a really interesting game because it feels like someone took backgammon and right. tried to make it more family-oriented. Hmm. Well, to be fair, my reaction was it was really f- phony. I went, really? Really? I, I've never played I've, Parcheesy. I've never thought of Parcheesy <laughs> before in my life. Especially like the version I have, because they still make Parcheesy, and the and the the version I have is really nice. It has beautiful little like camel meeples, and like it's really stylish. It is very nice looking, yeah. But it's a, uh, it's kind of like they're trying to push it as a kids game, but it's got the same meanness and and it's it's backgammon for the family, right? right. So you're rolling dice, you're splitting up or combining those, and then you're moving. You're you're either trying to get your people out. And then you gotta go all the way around the board and get them home. But you can split up your movement. You can attack the other player by landing on them and sending them back home. Huh. You can do all kinds of things. You have to roll. It's so repetitive and so dull. Uh, I'm not super surprised. Right. It's way down there, but it's you know maybe it's somewhat surprising. Uh, second worst game I have is In a Pickle, and I I kind of feel bad for game right there. In a Pickle, because <laughs> it's still in the eighteen thousands. Wow, or maybe the seventeen thousand. I don't know. It's really low in a pickle, it's but a, and then I'll and then stop you know myself what? from that one. No, it's too late. I've already the said third, it. The third, the third lowest game we've played together. Okay, yeah, uh, the Hobbit. Really, Desolation of Smog. Huh? Wasn't that okay? No, the Lord of the Rings one was okay. Right. The Lord of the Rings ones was interesting because it was card play and you're doing some weird stuff in it that we right. hadn't really seen before. Yeah, the Lord of the Rings one is like one of the first like cooperative yeah, the Reiner H- Knizia games. The Hobbit one was roll and move and you go around the track. Oh, and you, right. Yeah. Looked all right, but... I think it's like the same kind of art production and style as the... Is it Avalon Hill, Lord of the Rings one, maybe? 
Yeah, well, that's it down there. Yeah, that's oh, they're both. Yeah, they're uh, both very similar looking. Fantasy Flight picked them both up. Huh. Uh, or or they got handed to Fantasy Flight during the Hasbro. Uh, I'm not sure how it happened. Oh, I'm surprised that's that's up there too. To be honest, because it's, I don't know, it's got the theme. It's got some fun theme and art going for it, but. Then, uh, then I have Man Bites Dog, and then I I meet up with you. Uh, I don't have Uno entered in; otherwise, we would have met up sooner. But then, uh, Slamwich. Yeah, <coughs> Slamwich. I don't think that's fair to Slamwich. <laughs> Slamwich is a, I mean, it's a kids' game. Yeah. It's it's like playing War, but with some dexterity in it. Yeah. You're just you flipping cards, and when you make a sandwich, you just grab the cards. You grab the cards. It's, uh, it's got that spoons kind of <laughs> and, and then pass the pigs wow i love pass the pigs mm. i love that i love that somebody thought uh, they could make a dice game out of plastic Man. molded pigs <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> well you know what that this if anyone did does start digging into board game geek and and liking it and they will discover that people feel really divided about the ra- the ranking system i mean i think the next one okay this killer bunnies. That seems that fair. sucked. Yeah, that seems. I remember really not enjoying it. that. Yeah, it's still. It's still pumping out still expansions going and expansions, stuff. Yeah. Expansions, and I, I feel like it has to be one of the grandfathers of games like like exploding kittens. Yeah, maybe. Killer bunnies, killer I, and bunnies. again, it has some kind of quirky art style and, and something that seems fun about it. But man, we played it and it did not feel that fun. Picturica is on your list for so I must not have put it or or mine. I have so many worse games. <laughs> Yours are higher rated. Well, I need to update mine. I'm going to do it, and then I'll get back to you in a future episode about uh, Vox Populi. You got you sold that. Yeah. Oof, man. There's one that there's one that's uh, in my bottom ten. That's this game Crumble over here that we just picked up secondhand recently, and I've never played yet. Right. And it's a uh, it's kind of like Escape the Dungeon. But with math, mm. and you have to, in order to escape, you have to, I don't know, you have to spend so many resources all the time. Right. And uh, it seems like it's way too heady to be fun for kids. It's mostly the kids' games that are really at the bottom. Well, out of what I have in here, too, the other third one, Slam, which is there, uh, Quelf. Quelf, yeah. Is there. <laughs> this is something. My family loved Quelf because it's kind of like cranium. It's a combination of cranium and then like crappy drinking games you played when you were a teenager, maybe if you were so inclined with, with you know, the game where you make up all the rules as you're going around oh, a yeah. table and, you know, thumbs on the table and uh, that game this, keeps getting remade on Kickstarter. Yeah. As something. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Quelf has a bunch of weird, uh, kind of dexterity based rules like that built into it and a bunch of toilet humor and a bit of a weird art style. I, I don't really like it at all. Um, so that makes sense that it's there for me. The cranium is much more fun for me, especially the one we play that has all the Canadian questions that we've played a couple times. It seems yeah, yeah the W the Wow one. The Wow one, yeah. And I didn't even know it doesn't. I don't think it says anywhere in the box anything about Canada, but it's definitely Canadian-based questions. And the the dudes in that the little they're really characters, great looking, yeah. I can't remember who did the art for that game, but it's fantastic. Yeah, so Greek Geek Greek Geek Group dot app is pretty fun. I, I'm I'm gonna I'll get back to you on on how I really feel about it once I once I update my my geek stats. 
<laughs> uh, I will be waiting. Oh, <laughs> uh, people, I'm going to get... If I was 10 years old living in my hometown and someone heard me say, I'll get back to you when I update my geek stats, I would get beat up on the street I lived. Yeah, you might still. <laughs> That's true. Uh, number 12, like I did the, I just did the 10, and, and then because I knew a bunch of years were missing, I did went a couple farther on yours, and so I went a couple farther on mine. Uh, number 12 on mine is Risk. Really? Really, which is sad for Risk. Hmm. Risk was such a massively influential game, and I think Risk Legacy is super high up, right? Because it introduced, uh, it was Rob Davio's uh, first legacy game, and it you know changed gaming forever. So I think it's way higher. Can you look? You have the thing. I can. Risk is probably, uh, and they've done some a lot of themed risks that maybe some of those are a little higher, but Risk itself is really really low, which is which is too bad. It was a I mean, it's one of the few games that my dad would play with us. Right. When when we were kids, he would always be down to play Risk. I don't know what that is. Risk says. Legacy sitting at three uh, 302, yeah. which and, is very and high. And look up Risk. Yeah. Um, yeah, Risk is one of those games, before I was ever a hobbyist like I am now, um, I remember seeing people playing Risk at like uh, residence and university yeah. and, and walk at a party or something and walking by and be like, oh, what's going on in there? And they're like, oh. Big risk this is our uh, two-week game of Risk. Like they've been playing it all week long, and to me, that was like a the cones of Duntrim won't run. Like oh, you got to be kidding me! No one plays a game for two weeks, and kind of walking away from that. Who would have known? I'd be uh, crunching so many hours into board games as an old man, as a middle-aged man. It was like I, the end of that game was just one guy holed up in uh, Australia, New Zealand. And everybody else just piled around them. <laughs> Probably. Like, ah, you're dead. Uh, risk, yeah, 17, um, just about 18,000. 17,980. How the mighty have fallen. Yeah. It was, it was one of the, I mean, it's, it again, it's still being made, still being themed. Yeah. But, uh, and so obviously, uh, the board game uh, rankings don't mean that much to no. some manufacturers at all. No, and they don't mean that much. It's that to people. I, I anyways, I I got kind of I go down rabbit holes sometimes, and especially we, we talked a little bit about Kickstarter last week and and how it's changing things up again in board games. Man, do people ever not like how some people are handling the rating system for Kickstarter? So a lot, I guess there's a a pattern sometimes of people going on and ranking a game before it's ever released mm. to kind of boost its like on it, BGG. Yeah. To go and rank Kickstarter game based on what they think it's going to play like. Um, so, you know, there's been a, my favorite game, Gloomhaven. There's a lot of love for that game. Obviously it's ranked number one. There's a lot of hate for that game too. Like it's been any ranked for number one for years and never had a retail edition. Right. You know, that's, that's saying something. And so, you know, a lot of people have gone on there and said, oh, people were rating that a 10 before they even played it or they played it on Tabletop Simulator and that doesn't really count. And then uh, a bunch of people will then apparently counter uh, go and rate it zero or one. Um, But then I've heard other kind of more statistician-minded people will log in and be like, doesn't really matter. Those two will cancel each other out. The rating's a pretty safe system for people who are honestly using it. Which is was kind of nice, and yeah, if for just a snapshot of looking at games and how they sit with the general kind of public of gamers, it, it is really great. And the the top one hundred to me, when I go through when I go through the top five hundred, even the top thousand is full of so many good games. Oh yeah, 
But I feel really great about the top 100 for the most part. I, I like the fact that uh, if you go and you look at like just just the rating for a game, like, oh, it's seven. Right. And then you look at how many people voted on that. Yeah. You get a, a much better snapshot of what that seven might mean. You're right. So if a game is rated seven and has only been uh, rated and played by 60 people. Right. Versus a game that's rated a seven and has been rated and played by, you know, 1,000 people. Yeah. Then you get a re- much better feeling of of what that's going to do. So like just the fact that the data is there and you can look at it and then process it for what what you are sort of thinking about stuff. Yeah. And then for me, so much stuff in the three hundreds are rated a six and a seven, and uh, and are cheaper. Right. Because people are interested in that top one hundred, top two hundred. Yeah. Uh. Well, I think that game's going to be fun too, and it's only thirty bucks on sale because mm-hmm. everybody's not buying it. Yeah, there's there's a lot. But again, to go back to, to Board Game Geek, if you're interested at all, for me, when I discovered Board Game Geek and I could go through like the top 100, top 500, and I was, I would just go through and I was clicking on games like, oh, that looks cool. I think I might like that one. And just start reading about games that seemed interesting to me that people thought were really good. It's also a great way to uh, buy people presents. If you know that they really like uh, games, you can go and look at that top 100 and pick one they don't have. Yeah, and and it's it you know it's, it's pretty a safe. good guess. Yeah, uh, check the hour rating, check the time rating because some of those games are pretty heavy. Uh, Twilight Struggle or something. Yeah, Twilight. Be, yeah, it's ranked really high, but that might not be where you you want to send someone after Catan. But maybe that might they might love it. Might we be the we one. had this discussion before with uh, Gateway Games and like you know uh, Catan or Ticket to Ride might not be someone's gateway right. but Terraforming Mars might be mm-hmm. you know there might be someone who plays Ticket to Ride and goes I, that didn't interest me at all right. but if you played them uh, Terraforming Mars they might be like wow this, yeah. is, this is amazing it's true so you know Twilight Imperium might be someone's gateway it just might be that's it we're uh, I feel like we've been talking for a while way too long probably Pro- probably well it was a good chatting with you and I'm sure we're going to do it again sometime. Yes, let's do that. Maybe in seven days. Let's make more notes. More notes. Okay. Okay. Uh, we do have a we do have an email feedback at everydaymeeple.com. Are you queuing the band? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet, sweet band. <laughs> <laughs>